The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Discover a positive path for spiritual living. Welcome to Voices of Unity with Rev. Jackie Fernandez. And this is Rev. Jackie Fernandez, and we are here live from my home. And Tracy Brown is my guest today, live from her home. And, you know, we are all in this experience of social distancing and as we are in this time of global pandemic. And, you know, this week on Voices of Unity, we are wrapping up the season for nonviolence. And so we're going to work with the question, what is mine to do and how we move from awareness to action? So naturally, uh, Tracy Brown is at the table. Welcome to Voices of Unity, Tracy. Hey, Jackie, I'm so glad to be here. Let's have some fun. Oh, it's going to be, uh, what do you call it, a feisty and fierce power hour, right? Yes. So I'd love to introduce you to my listeners uh, who may not know you, and I'm, I know many of them do because you're, you're a powerhouse and you're well-known in New Thought circles. Um, in 1986, Tracy Brown was introduced to New Thought at Unity Church of Dallas. So you are a friend of Unity and, and we're a, a Unity congregant, a Unity yes. member maybe. And since then, you've used the universal spiritual principles to infuse your life with peace and joy. Tracy's personal motto is, you always have a choice. Oh, yeah, I have questions. <laughs> but we do. We always have choice. Tracy works with both corporate clients and churches nationwide on inclusion strategy and leadership development. Many people know her as the moderator of the public Facebook group, What is Mine to Do?, where group members focus on personal responsibility to break the cycle of race-based hatred and violence. Tracy is the author of several books. Her latest book is Stained Glass Spirit, Becoming a Spiritual Community Where Oneness Does Not Require Sameness. Oh, I love it. Juicy title. And, of course, the book I Turn to Prayer is a collection of prayers written in a variety of formats. Tracy is a licensed practitioner with Centers for Spiritual Living, the recipient of the Ernest Holmes Award, and a past chair for that uh, organization's governing body. You were chair for three years, right? Correct. Yeah, and the Leadership Council. And you've been on the Leadership Council in, in various capacities for about 10 years. Not quite that long. Six years, six and a half years, and the last three years were as the chair. Okay. Okay, awesome. Um, and so welcome, welcome to the show. I mean, that's, you know, quite, quite a bio there. Um, you, you went around the block, girl. <laughs> <laughs> around the new thought block. <laughs> yeah, as I tell people, you know, you just live long enough and your bio gets longer and longer <laughs> and longer. <laughs> right? I mean, if we, we stay engaged in the living and, and loving of life, right? Right. So, oh, go ahead. And and with new thought, right? With new thought principles, as we're living, we're always creating and co-creating and expanding and evolving. And so, if we're really living what we teach, then uh, you know we're going to always be engaged in things that are making a difference in the world and making a contribution. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love, I'm a member of your Facebook group, of course, what is mine to do. And I love being part of that group. It, it is such an active group. There's always, you know, the, I'm in, in a lot of different groups on Facebook and that group really um, stays engaged. Yes. And how long have you been running that group? So the what is mine to do Facebook group came out of the question, what is mine to do to to respond to race-based hatred and violence in 2015, after the nine people were killed in Charleston, yeah. Yeah. everybody was asking, wait, this is so unacceptable. People were just in prayer. And for them to be killed because of the color of their skin is just not acceptable, especially in a spiritual community. So um, that question came up and we started talking about it and I did a TEDx talk about it and the Facebook group has just continued. So five years and, and running. Love it. So that, I mean, that, that was, geez, five years ago now. Yeah. Um, and we've been through so much as a nation since then. I mean, you know, really big things from, you know, the, remember the summer we had the massive hurricanes all, um, and you're still in Texas, is that right? Correct. Yeah. So you were probably in the midst of that. Um, and we've had fires and we've had uh, more mass shootings, more mass shootings in churches. Um, and of course, now we're in this time of global pandemic. So I'm curious how you know, with the question being rooted, what is mine to do in the context of working against race-based hatred and violence, how how has, have you moved that question in and through these different um, larger community experiences? It's so funny you would ask that because what I found out what I learned about two years ago, I was going through some old boxes or boxes of old materials and things I had written and journals from like, you know, the last couple of decades. And that question, what is mine to do showed up like 10 or 12 times oh, wow. at different stages, you know? So it was a question that I think i often ask myself, what is mine to do in whatever is going on? Like, what's my contribution? How does spirit want to show up through me to be a beneficial presence here? And, you know, and I, in, in 2015, I didn't really think about that. I didn't really recognize it was a pattern in my own thinking. Um, but then it became a bigger thing. So now when things happen, when the tornadoes hit in the Dallas area last October, when uh, there are things happening in on the world stage that threaten our sustainability as humanity, it's a natural thing for me to say what is mine to do and ask that question because I think what happens is we process what's going on in our minds, but we forget to take the next step into action. Yeah. And if we even go back to the Bible, faith without works is dead, right? So right. Right. I can have faith. I can believe in spirit. I can think about all the things that could be done. But if I don't actually do something, how am I contributing to a positive shift? That's a great question. 
And yeah. so that that what is mine to do brings us into from the knowing, right, or the awareness to action, you know. And so I work with I have prayer to action a Facebook page, and um, and I have a curriculum that I've developed with it. And it's it's the same idea of inviting people to come to action from a a prayer centered um, state of being. And however you pray, you know, and right. um, so I, you know, really resonate with um, that awareness to action because it is that you first, you know, you have to know what to hold in prayer, right? You have to be aware of what your thoughts are and and what your beliefs are that are are created from those thoughts or vice versa. And um, and and then to sit with that knowing is one piece of it. But then how do we bring that forward in that creative generative way? Um, yes. In, into and the world? I. Yes, and I don't think that that diminishes the power of prayer or the importance of spiritual no. practice in any way. I think it that that spiritual practice is the foundation, yes, and it and it centers us. But then our action expands it. Our action becomes the spiritual intention manifest yes. in the world. And so, I mean, the, you mentioned at the top, you know, we're coming up on the end of the season for peace and nonviolence. Well, we could think about nonviolence, but having, you know, all of those days back to back of a practice of noticing specific principles and doing spiritual practice around them or translating them into the way we show up in the world through this designated season for nonviolence, it just elevates it and escalates yes. it and expands it into something that becomes manifest in the world, not just in my individual mind or heart. Yes. And that's everything, right? That's, that's being the hands and feet of God. And, and I feel like prayer, when, when we're doing it right, it compels us to action. If, if we allow, if we allow that prayer to move us, right, it, it, it becomes our guidance um, into the ideas of, equity and equality and inclusion and justice. Um, because we, you know, prayers, well, <laughs> that place that allows us to re release that selfishness of the ego mind. And, and then we can come into community and communion with, with one another as divine expressions of that one holy presence. Well, you and I definitely agree about that. I love it. You know, I'm just reminded of the first time we met, and I think it was, was at the Unity Convention in San Antonio. It I was don't remember. I, I feel think, like I've known you like for 20 years. I, well, and that's what it was like. The first time we met, it was, it, I'm pretty sure it was at a convention and, um, and you were seated and I think I was, I probably had a camera in my hand, um, and, and you were seated like one seat in from the aisle and I always look for an aisle seat so I can hop up and take pictures and, and video and that kind of thing. And, but when we made eye contact, I just, I was like, it was a recognition. Oh, I remember. You know, it was, I was just like, it was like, we were just started continuing a conversation we had long held and I didn't know your name. I didn't recognize your face. You know, I didn't know, um, you know, and, you know, afterwards I realized I had heard of you, but, um, and I think because I, I, that may have been like one of the first conventions where there was a real presence of uh, cross-pollinating unity and new thought 
um, people, leaders at each other's conventions. And so I knew I had been told you would be there, but I didn't know who to look for. But it was it was so much more than than any role that we were there in capacity. We were there to serve. It was just this heart connection, this soul connection. I do remember that now, and you're absolutely right. But that, and that was only maybe three years ago. But yeah, yeah, it does seem like we've known each other for a long time because there's the one mind, there's the one soul, right? Mm -hmm. And it's funny when you mentioned equity, equality, inclusion, and justice. I thought, yeah, I can connect with you on that level in terms of our spiritual practice taking us there. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, I know that for so many people in new thought denominations, there's a barrier, like, right. you know, there's a barrier. No, it's new thought is about me, the individual, not what's happening with the collective. And I don't agree with that. Right. <laughs> um, because it, it just, it makes it impossible for me to, you know, recognize like when, like you said, the example you gave when you and I met, it was like, we knew the one soul was connecting us. Yes. And, and it was, that was a true. beautiful moment. I mean, I, you know, I, I've had a lot of beautiful moments since then, you know, but I remember that I'll never forget that. And, and that is like being open to that, um, to that soul flow, whatever it is, spirit flow, um, that's, that is the result of spiritual practice. Yeah. And in times like right now with what's going on in society, it's more important than ever for us to recognize that we are both individuals and a part of the collective collective and our spiritual work is for us individually, but also for the planet, for all the people in the yeah. world and um and that there you can't really separate them it's a both and right right um and i you know i appreciate you bringing um you know forward that piece of new thought um history and experience that doesn't want to engage in that collective experience and that especially when it comes to um the community and societal issues like justice work um that there's we, there's been a struggle, an inner struggle, I'll call it, within New Thought communities about how to or whether or not to even engage in those conversations and in that kind of work. And I think it it shows um, in the ways that we have, even though we tout and, you know, hold the banner of oneness as a core belief, um, there is a lot of racial inequity even with our own commu- within our own communities. Ooh, I just said that on... Unity Online Radio. <laughs> yes, you did. And <laughs> that is because you are, if nothing else, committed to the truth. Like the, yes. you know, yes. the, and the capital T truth is that in our, in our churches and in our spiritual communities, they are simply microcosms of the macrocosm. So when that tension and that discomfort is happening in the bigger society, of course, it's going to happen in our churches as well. So there's there's not so much anything broken, in my opinion. It's not mm-hmm. that it's broken, that people want to protect themselves from the difficult conversations. It's just that 
it's time for the evolution, yes. right? It, we yes. can build on the legacy of the past and we can evolve to into who and what we need to be for the 21st century. Yes. Oh, and it's really interesting this time that we're having right now of, uh, in many ways, seclusion. And we were talking before the show started, you're an introvert and I'm an extrovert. So we're experiencing this in very different ways. And you work from home on a regular basis. So, um, you know, so in some ways, your day to day life hasn't changed. And, um, you know, and I was talking about how, you know, being an extrovert, I'm, I'm looking for that contact. Now, there are five people in my house, so it's not like I'm alone here. Um, <laughs> but my regular life, you know, allows me to, you know, I'm usually at Unity Village on campus, you know, with 300 other people. And so I'm, I'm among the people, you know, mm-hmm. and then, you know, and running the kids to different activities after school. And, you know, so it's a huge shift right now. And, um, and I've just been really reflecting on what, of course, we always look for the gift and everything. Um, and it's been a struggle in many ways. Um, but one of the, the reason I'm bringing this into this point of the conversation is that idea of, of um, bringing forward sort of the, the dirt and the, what has not been working well and taking time to do that inner reflection as a, a movement, as a new thought movement and being bringing the voice of truth to that. And then when we are able to emerge from a time of reflection, um, that's where we go into the action that you and I are both talking about. Yeah, no, no flower plant or tree grows without breaking through the soil, right? Yes. Breaking through the dirt, breaking through yes. the the ground that maybe in the winter months was hard and difficult. And then the spring comes as we are approaching Easter, right? Uh-huh, and the spring right? comes yes. or Easter comes, the season comes yes. when that tree plant flower breaks through what seemed to be intractable. Yes. And then uh, begins okay. to have a new life mm-hmm. that is fresh and bright and seems to have unlimited potential. Yes. To regenerate, right. To continue to express life. And it's, you know, I've been thinking about that a lot just in the last couple of days, because um, like you talk about the seed, you know, we use the, the, you know, blossoming and the unfolding and, you know, the, the, the butterfly emerges from the cocoon. We use those, you know, as, as beautiful metaphor for what it's like to evolve and to unfold and to, to um, blossom into our spiritual presence. And we tend to move through that first part, which, you know, the seed is in the dark, the, the mm-hmm. caterpillar is in the dark and both come completely undone. Mm-hmm. Before that beautiful <laughs> emergence, the beautiful flower opens, the beautiful butterfly spreads its wings. First, there is this complete undoing and destruction that if you were to freeze time, that's all that you would see. Um, and and as a society right now, we're kind of experiencing that, you know, to uh, yeah. degrees as, you know, like we're, our, our lives and our um, social structures that we have created or have come crashing down or to a screeching halt. And wow. Well, you know, I see it as both, which is interesting to me, at least. On the one hand, so much of what we are seeing is answered prayer. 
And on the other hand, uh, it is what you're saying. It's like it feels like it's the darkness. It's the the limitation that we will emerge from better and brighter. But, you know, the side of it being answered prayer, I've had the thought often in the last few weeks about, well, you know, for years, we've been going more and more to technology and less and less to -to face-to-face. You go in a restaurant, you know, a month ago, and the majority of people are sitting looking at their phone, not talking to the person across the table from them, or they're responding to texts, or, you know, they're not really engaged with the people next to them. The server brings the food, and they might look up and say thank you, but often they don't. They're just like, yeah, yeah, food, okay. And so we have asked for isolation. We have, mm-hmm. it's like our actions have been pr- a prayer for isolation. Let me just be with myself and my technology. And now because we are in self-isolation and social distancing, we're like, oh no, 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 don't take me away from people. I'll use the technology to connect. Right. And now we're living into a prayer of, I can't wait to be with people anymore. Uh, It's got to happen. It's going to be so great when we're in the same room together, in the same church together, able to go to the movies again and be around people. So we're getting answered prayer and we're getting an opportunity to emerge differently by focusing on what kind of society do we want to be? What kind of individual do I want to be when these restrictions go away? Uh, So good. And, you know, last week I wouldn't have been able to have this conversation. I had some of the thoughts, but I was so stressed out. And I think I was grieving um, life. I was grieving the loss of routine. And I didn't even have the words for that. I just had the feelings. I just had the anger. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, my work was stressful. I was working long hours and in a, in my home, which is usually my sanctuary and, and not where I'm working. And so I had to build a different structure around that, um, you know, consciously. I had to wake up to that, that it wasn't just, you know, that these feelings were coming from somewhere. I was responding to something. And, and part of that was loss of routine and, mm-hmm. and then to recreate the structure. But doing that, what you're saying is, you know, in the question, because as you say, we always have a choice. Well, how do I want to do that better or different? And so now my 30 minute commute is making tea and breakfast. And wow, you know, that might be something I do on the weekend. But, you know, I'm taking time to nourish myself and my family and clear my head. And so it's meeting that routine and that, that need, that structural need I've had built into my life with a 30 minute commute to work, um, in a different way and how much more nourishing it is to my overall life. That's not to say, I, not, not to say I'm not going to go back to commuting, but to be more mindful of how I spend that time and, and what else do I need to nourish myself? That's more than just driving to work. Yeah, that's powerful because we do need that have need to have a rhythm. Mm-hmm. And what I hear you talking about is how this time has given you the opportunity to not be on automatic, right. but to consciously choose how you want to create a rhythm and a flow of going through your day. Yeah. And we, we get to sort of just evaluate or reevaluate our 
unconscious actions to start, you know, get up, brush my teeth, put on my makeup, whatever, whatever, everyone has their thing. Um, I'm curious though, with you working at home, what has shifted for you? Um, really not much has shifted, um, because I do primarily work from home unless I'm actually speaking at a conference or leading a live workshop. I already do a lot of workshops online via zoom or using technology. So not a lot has happened for me. The big change has been since every, since so many other people are not really working and they're doing things online, I want to do, like, I want to play. <laughs> I want, I want right? to go to the prayer sessions and go to the concerts online. But my, most of my clients are still working. They're just working right. from home. Yeah. So that hasn't been a change in my work, but I have noticed I've changed in my spiritual practices to really focus on, um, blessing others and watching how much I take in of the negative attitude and the fear that's going on in the world and consciously shifting myself through spiritual practice away from that, away from what I don't want and more and more toward what I do want, what I do think is important. Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. And speaking of spiritual practice, one thing I've like last week, even when I was really stressed out, I, I leaned into gratitude and, you know, I talked earlier in season for nonviolence, I had author Matt Kahn on the show and we talked about satitude, right? When people are grateful for the least, like, well, at least I'm alive and at least I have a, a house to be in and I have electricity and internet and I can still work, you know, but, but that's not like the fullness of gratitude. That's sort of satitude. Um, but last week, even when I was stressed out, I was able to really feel so grateful because I do am able to easily work from home. That was an easy shift for my entire department and not true for everyone at Unity Village, but but to be so grateful for that and um, and that. And that my family is healthy and to, and to get, but also for the newness of this experience that, um, you know, we have this incredible time to bond that, you know, we're not all going in separate directions 90% of the time and, Mm -hmm. you know, that sit down and eat meals together, prepare meals together, clean up together. Um, that's like, that is new to us and, and to really just live into the gratitude as a spiritual practice that even when I was mostly feeling grouchy all day and frustrated and angry and, and grieving the loss of routine, I could still turn to that gratitude. And and I think it helped lift me out of that. So here's the challenge that I give um, everyone is and for every time you think or say something that's based in fear or negativity, commit yourself to say or think something based in love or gratitude three uh-huh. times. So Beautiful. one to three ratio. Love it. That music means it's time for a break. So we'll be right back with Tracy Brown. Practical Spirituality positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Voices of Unity with Reverend Jackie Fernandez.
This is Rev Jackie, and we are back with Tracy Brown. And Tracy, just before the break, you gave us a practice, and I, I'd like to have you repeat it again. Um, and then we have a caller that we'll get to after that. But go ahead and tell us again that practice. So every time you find yourself complaining or thinking or saying something that's based in fear or negativity, commit to say three things or think three things that are based in love or gratitude. I love it. So you're rewriting your thought patterns. Exactly. Right. Creating new pathways, new, and it, it actually, there's science to that, right? There's science to yeah. that practice, creating new neural pathways in the brain because our, our brains are like record players, right? They like to stay in the groove. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay. Let's take a call. Andy, welcome to the Hi. show. Hey, hey, how's it going, Tracy? How's it going, Jackie? Long time listener, long time caller. <laughs> you, yes, you are. <laughs> what you got for us today? Uh, I do have a question, Jackie. Like when you were talking earlier about your 30-minute commute has now become this brilliant time spent cooking and uh, spent with your family. I kind of have the same thing. I, uh, I used to work out before I would go into the office. And now I, I, I have not worked at it at all. And it was kind of my meditation time almost. It was a very centering thing for me. And I haven't done it. I literally wake up about 30 minutes before I clock in and now. And I'm, I'm wondering, is that something that will um, – I, I think about the future. If, if there ever is a back to normalcy, um, is that something – that I should just dive right back into uh, or kind of take with a grain of salt because I, I've, I've been adapting by spending time with my family or working around the house. I still kind of get that mental centering when I do these other things. Um, I think the real question I'm trying to get to is when things get quote unquote back to normal, are they actually going to feel quote unquote normal? Yeah, I'm curious sense. what your th thoughts are about that, Tracy. My th my thinking is there's no going back. We're only we're only moving forward. Mm -hmm. And so, what is the new pattern? What what are our new routines um, looking like? What do you think, Tracy? No, I agree too. I was going well. There is no no such thing as normalcy. <laughs> there is whatever happened before, and now we're doing what we're doing now. And then in the future, we'll be doing whatever we do then. That constant evolution of life expressing and expanding in, you know, in, as, and through each one of us. The, but at the same time, I had a little laughter going on in my mind because I am a roller skater. I roller skate twice a week and normally like in the old normal. And um, so I had not been skating in two and a half weeks. And about five days ago, four or five days ago, I said, oh, I'm just going to go out in the neighborhood and take a walk. And literally 15 minutes into the walk, I was out of breath and my legs were hurting. And I was like, oh, my. So I've been doing a lot of spiritual work, but I've been neglecting working my body yeah. And if this goes on for, you know, three weeks, four weeks, four months, whatever, <laughs> I better be working my body and getting the same. I love, Andy, what you said, that your exercise is kind of like a meditative thing. And for me, roller skating is like that, too. And so I'm like, what am I going to replace it with? 
And I don't have the the final answer yet, if there is one, but I'm trying different things that will allow me to engage my body and deeply go into a spiritual centering as well. I I yeah. have noticed with this kind of situation, a lot of people, I mean, especially with work, uh, a lot of people in our office who were more introverted and didn't say much, they are a little bit more liberated and extroverted online when typing. Do you think that will um, going on from this moment, say if things come back to a time where we can go into the office, we can, are they going to be more mentally liberated? I mean, and the same thing with me, am I going to, Am I going to be, because uh, I'm an extrovert, by um, a natural extrovert, am I going to be a little bit more, uh, what's the proper term? I wouldn't say introverted, <laughs> but like mentally quarantined. <laughs> well, you know, I'm thinking with Tracy, because you, when you, you talked about like you normally work from home anyway, um, but there are more things happening online. So in your virtual world, it's like we're all showing up there. And and so there's more distraction. And then I'm wondering for you, if we all go back to work and we and we and we that activity slows down, are you going to experience this sort of exodus, like this mass exodus? And and are you going to feel lonely? I mean, uh, no, <laughs> I'm going to be like, I'm so glad all those extroverts have found other ways to right, that's, that's engage a, with one another and leave me alone. It's such an extrovert sure. question to ask. Are you going to be lonely when we leave? <laughs> exactly. It is. You're right. And even the will the introverts like be more dynamically involved and will the extroverts be? No, like we are we are constantly changing and evolving and uh, we are adapting to today's scenario. So if our spiritual foundation doesn't teach us anything else, it's that right. The change is a constant um, we are constantly evolving and we will adapt to how we want to be in whatever our scenario is. So, Andy, I love I love that you are like even challenging us and everyone who's listening to think about who am I now and how do I want to show up because we're never going backwards. Right. Yeah, great question. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. Bye. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's, you know, that piece of it, of where we're not going back to anything. We're, we're moving forward. Life is continuing. Babies are being born. You know, people are getting married. People are dying. All, all of life is continuing just in a very different way. And so when we come together again, some people will have, um, you know, experienced staying at home while working and homeschooling children for the first time. Um, some people will have experienced, you know, spending a lot more time with their spouses for the first time. And, you know, so you're, we're all going to be brand new people as we would have been anyway. Yes. Right. We would have yes. been brand new people anyway. in whatever the time frame is three weeks, three months, um, it's 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 just that this is such an extreme experience and and co a collective experience. Um, you know, people are always having, um, you know, life changing moments. Yes. Yeah, and I love the point you just made. It's because we're all having this 
very different experience together because we often miss if someone, uh, someone in on our team or someone we know, they and their individual experience or family, maybe they're dealing with a um, cancer diagnosis or they're dealing with a divorce. It's kind of like, I know they're going through a lot of change, but it feels like in my life, I'm kind of stable and things are just going on. But we are all going through this different way of being at the same time. And so I see it as a real opportunity for us to claim what kind of world do we want to work work yeah. and live in yeah. and what kind of person do I want to be and to use this time to begin to plant that seed so that as no matter what happens I'm going to you know I'm going to adjust and adapt and then I'm going to be really glad to build the connections that I need to build yes yes well and just like you know Andy is called back to my example of instead of my commute, I'm making breakfast. And, you know, so I found something that that filled um, my need for a routine and for a transition time. And for Andy, um, you know, he talked about his workout. It's, you know, it's there's that physical aspect. And then there's, you know, he talked about the meditative aspect of it. So it's going to be a matter of like, just thinking that through allows us to be conscious about what needs are being met specifically in those activities and how we can fulfill those needs in, in different ways, which is, th- those are great questions, great questions to ask anytime. Yes. But the, we the, often don't ask them. We're just yeah. too busy doing our right. lives. Right. Um, yeah. And there's no one, there's no right way or wrong way to do it. Right. Right. Like, for example, he may very well go back to doing the morning workout routines, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back to commuting to work, <laughs> you know, that's, that, you know, I will go back to that, but I guarantee it'll be in a new way. And, and, you know, and I don't know what that looks like at this time, but, um, there's just my newfound awareness of, of what that time serves to me and how ingrained that, that need is, um, will allow me to create, something in a new way, whatever that may be. Yeah, I um, I know we both took a breath at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. But what just went through my head was, you know, we hear the phrases self-isolation and social mm-hmm. distancing. And I've transformed those phrases a few times in my mind. But in this conversation, the one that it keeps popping up for me is I had to reframe that, or I chose to reframe that to self introspection and spiritual deepening. So self isolation was a time for self introspection and social distancing was a gift of time for spiritual deepening. I love Uh, it. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, and I I caught what I just thought of, too, is when you talked about something that you're doing is is limiting the negative rhetoric that is pervasive right now Um, and and has been, (laughs) as we all know, um, especially in this current administration. And so there's but right now there's such I you know, because there is to some degree panic and because there is extreme change um, in our society, a systemic change that um, 
people respond, of course, in all kinds of different ways. And, um, and I'm curious what, what you're noticing in clients that you work with, um, because you're working with, you know, corporate leaders, you're working with spiritual leaders. Um, what changes you are seeing or noting, um, I guess in the yeah. hearts and minds, you know what I'm seeing in, in, yeah. in what people are facing in terms of that negativity, because, you know, we've, there's so much of it out there. So how are people managing Yeah, that? and there, there is so much going on, as you said, in all aspects and um, with, with everybody I've been talking to, and it has shown up with the What Is Mine To Do Facebook page as well, you know, the that there are so many people who are surprised that folks of Asian descent or Asian heritage are being targeted for um, unkind words, for racial slurs, for being told to, you know, go back to China, even though their Asian heritage might not be Chinese. And even if it is Chinese, they've lived in the United States for all of their life and have never even been to China. It's like because of the way they look, because of their skin, you know, that they are a target and um, a target in the worst possible ways both verbal violence and physical violence. And it is disturbing to me that that's happening just as a human being. And then it is also disturbing to me that people of faith and people who are spiritually grounded might look away and say, well, yeah, that's a shame. Oh, that's sad but not understand that it's how we show up every day that makes that acceptable or not. If I am a person who is grounded in the truth that what happens to anyone is happening to me because there really is only one, we are all emanations of the one from a theological perspective, from a new thought perspective, then I'm going to be concerned and I'm going to speak up not to cause a fight, but to say this is wrong or to interrupt um, or to put myself between, you know, if it's if I'm in a grocery store and something is happening um, or to make sure my neighbors, if I have church members or if I have neighbors who I know are of Asian descent or Facebook friends, I can reach out to them and let them know. They are not alone. I am holding their best and highest forward. I'm here for them to pray with. I'm here to just listen if they need to vent. There are things that we can do that demonstrate that we ourselves, that you know, I myself am spiritually grounded and I myself am committed to living from a place of love. Oh, that's so beautifully said. And I love that you use that word interrupt and, and being a voice of love is not to start a fight, not to invoke judgment or, um, punishment or anything, but to interrupt that flow because it's, it's, it's a voice of fear that manifests right as racism. And when we apply love as the antidote, you know, it becomes, it can become a gentle, way toward peace and coming together and communion and and not to say that that happens in every instance 
Um, but there is real opportunity here, as you're describing, to be aware of um, of what's coming forward in this particular climate, and as spiritual leaders, to be aware of 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 what might be a pressing need. Yeah, and you know, so often um, in our world today and in New Thought spirituality, so often people would say something like, well, we shouldn't even get involved with that. And, you know, I don't, you know, it's not this administration or that administration uh, because administrations politically change. Our state at the local level, at the state level, at the national level, at the international level, individual leaders change. It, different people are elected all the time. That's always going to shift. But I'm not going to shift. I am not going to shift from what I have grown to know as a way to be spiritual, a way to demonstrate love, a way to demonstrate peace, joy, wholeness, harmony, unity in the world. So the question, there's a, a chapter in the stained glass, in my stained glass spirit book that's titled, are you listening with political or spiritual ears? And I would challenge people if they're, you know, saying, well, I don't want to watch the news or I don't want to, you know, get into any conversation about people of Asian descent being mistreated or, you know, or even worse, well, they must be attracting that. Their consciousness must be, must need that oh, in order that for them to learn the to listen. Oh, that is right? the worst. That, oh, right. I'm, I'm cringing. <laughs> Just, that is right. It's like, it, it really makes me shake my head. It's like, um, you know, malpractice or negligence. Yes. It's misapplying the spiritual principle, because the way we bring our spiritual teaching to life is to apply it in whatever is happening in the physical world. We're both divine and human. And so we bring our divinity into the way we engage in the world of humanity. And that requires me to look at what's going on. And so I watched the news. I mean, I don't watch it, you know, all day long, every day, but I capture the the news, what's going on. I track what's happening with, whether it's this pandemic or other things that are happening. So as Michael Beckwith is often referred to as saying, so I know what my prayer list is for the day. Yeah. Right. What's happening in the world gives me my prayer list and what's happening in the world gives me an opportunity to ask myself the question, what is mine to do? Who do I reach out to from the people I know, from the people I engage with? How do I show up in a tense situation and someone wants to turn it into a debate, but I want to turn it into a dialogue about what's possible? You know, not what is the punishment, not what is the limitation, but how do we really want to be with each other in the world? And what kind of world do we want to build together? I love it. What kind of world do we want to build together? And right now we're being asked to do that in, in, in social isolation, but say it again, you're looking at it as a spiritual Self, deepening. Mm -hmm, Self-introspection and spiritual deepening. Oh, and I'm going to put that um, in the comments on the Facebook post. <laughs> I want to come back to that. 
Well, so I'm a real fan of alliteration and all of that. And so, you know, I was like self-isolation. I need, some, you know, something else that has the same initials yeah. and social distancing. And it's like, real, really, I'm experiencing it. It's calling me to go deeper than I have gone in a long time to anchor myself in what I know is the spiritual truth. This is not an accident. It's always, it's a pathway to evolution. So how do I dig deep and bring that forward into how I show up in the world? I, I, nobody else can do that. Jackie, you can't do that for me. Right, right. Andy can't do that for me. Each one of us has to do it for ourselves and how deeply we go impacts the world that we then live in. Absolutely. Right. Because how deeply we go, it, the depth is, you know, reflected in, in the height in which we will reach out. Right. Yes. It's, you know, and so we say as, as within, so without, so the deeper we go, then when we reach out, the further the reach. Yes. And the impact. Yes, and that's a spiritual truth, but, you know, luckily it's also been confirmed by science. <laughs> <laughs> love I, it. I, lo I love it when science finally catches up to what the spiritual masters have told us for centuries. Yes, uh, it is a beautiful thing. You know, science is, you know, and religion and spirituality have been, you know, put um, as uh, competitors or, you know, opposites for so long and and I love that we are living in a time where they are congruent and the the science has developed to such a degree that it is really be, becoming another language in which we can explore spirituality instead of trying to move away from it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um well our time is almost up here. So I just, you know, what other you know, how about this? What's up next for you? And and I don't even mean in terms of before or after this time of um, self-introspection and spiritual deepening comes to an end. Um, I just mean what's, you know, what great idea are you working with? What What is being birthed in and through Tracy Brown? Uh, well, there's a lot being birthed <laughs> in as and through Tracy Brown. I am doing um, developing a schedule like for the next few months of webinars and things that can be offered online, um, you know, that people can even do on their own web based and related to how do I become a person who is inclusive, who actually lives the commitment to inclusion. So I'm working on that and I'm working on the next book that comes after Stained Glass Spirit, which is about um, the inclusive church. So I'm expecting over the next few months to do a lot of conversations in my podcast with people who are leaders in churches, mm -hmm. ministers, volunteer teams, staff, um, and looking at how do we bring our spirituality into form in a world that's multicultural, multi-generational, and multi-ethnic. Ooh, that's good. How do we bring our spirituality into form in a world yeah. that is multi multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-racial? I love that. Ooh, that's good. 
That's good. Yeah. So <laughs> lots of fun, lots of fun stuff. Lots of yes. fun stuff happening. Lots of fun stuff. And um, and love that you're using, you know, the online and 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 I think you know, one thing that I think we're all going to come away from, you know, so many people have had to really hone their skills and refine their online and virtual skills that more people will be able to um, access information in that way. And, and right. that doesn't, we don't go back from that, right? Once you have the knowledge, you've got it. So right. there, won't, there won't be any going back. So I love that you're just reaching right into that. Yeah, we'll integrate it into a mix. So we'll really mm-hmm. go into hybrid. All the people who've been mm-hmm. avoiding technology, right. Yep, your time is up. <laughs> Your time is up. Well, and I'm, you know, you and we, when we booked this, it was, um, the timing was booked not only for the end of season for nonviolence, but you were scheduled to be in Kansas City this past weekend. And so my thinking was, well, I'm going to have had some FaceTime with Tracy Brown and, and we got to get her on the show on that Tuesday and we're going to be all, you know, it's going to be great. And then, of course, that was um, canceled, but I'm hoping it was postponed. Postponed, yes. We're Excellent. going to um, get back on the calendar to be live in Kansas City later this Beautiful. year. And uh, that's true all around the country. So, um, yeah, I, we can't wait until I can't I can hardly wait yeah. until we can reschedule some of these things that have been canceled. Beautiful. And so TracyBrown.com is where people are going to go to to get your schedule. Right. And to find out if you're coming to a community near them. Yes. And T-R-A-C-Y-B-R-O-W-N.com, TracyBrown.com. And, of course, your books, again, are, I'm sure, available through your website. Website, links, and Amazon.com as well. And can anyone join the Facebook group, What is Mine to Do? What is Mine to Do is a public group. Come on and join. It's a couple thousand of us. You join us if you're not familiar with us and take us up to 2,500. Yes. Yeah, I love it. Ooh, I can't wait to see those numbers grow. It's it really is a um, empowering group to be a part of, and um, and just always people are just on top of it, on top of whatever the it is. It feels you know just feels really relevant and alive. I have enjoyed being part of that group. Yes. Oh, and yes, there's yes. our music. It's time for us to close, and I just don't want to hang up. <laughs> <laughs> this has been fantastic. I love being in your presence and and I feel you. I feel your heart and soul. And I thank you for um, the way that you express God in the world. And Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Liz Winter and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Mediumship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.